Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. I'm so glad you tuned me in again. It's my greatest honor to share the Word of God with my generation. And oh my goodness, my generation is fleeting so fast. People used to tell me when I was a young man, don't get old. And uh, I guess none of us were listening to that. But uh, another great friend of mine, Bob Wallace, those of you from our Temple family will know uh, who I'm talking about. He used to say, too soon old, too slow smart. I'm guilty on that as well. But uh, good to be with you today. I'm going to share with you something that is absolutely huge. I've been sharing all through the years of my uh, pastorate. It seems to be very, very little attention given to this in the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, yet there's a whole bunch in the Bible about it, and it affects our lives. It's in our face almost every day. I got kind of a catchy title for it, so I call it What Happened in Babylon Didn't Stay in Babylon. My home pastor, James L. Standage, beloved to my heart, said, quote, As the winds of iniquity blow through the last day's church, only that which is staked down in faith and tied down in prayer will remain. We are watching the wavering of many weak believers in the face of controversy, buying into the devil's lies, being silenced. Many churches anemically weak and being blown away by every wind of doctrine or silenced by fear of unpopularity. God said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. We're told in scripture, add to your faith virtue into virtue. Knowledge, that's biblical knowledge. I think it's also historical knowledge. He said specifically of the last day's church age, people would be ever learning but not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We have a glut of information but a famine of wisdom. People are tech savvy, entertainment savvy, uh, trivia savvy, but oh so historically illiterate. Only in history can come the understanding of our times. We got to know what happened to know what's happening now. When Satan got the Bible out of the schools, 1962, and people out of church in the following years, I remember as a child, everybody on our street went to church except for one family. They were embarrassed. They pulled their shades down and then wait till church was all over. They'd pull their shades up and carry on with life. But I grew up in a totally different world than my grandchildren are growing up in. I liked mine better. But I do like some of the creature comforts that we have today. Satan was getting ready to have a field day of depravity among the populace as he turned the nation from God. The nation that forgets God, kind of once knew him, reverenced him. We put his name on our money and God we trust. It's a big fat lie for today. But in those days, I think there was a lot of truth to it. Satan is having a field day fanning the flames of depravity among the populace. We don't even know where to go potty anymore or what pronouns to use. How sad. It's been well said, those who are ignorant of history's mistakes are condemned to repeat them. Today will be a critical lesson in uh, ancient history recorded both in Scripture, in secular and uh, geologic history. Babylon. There are the big three judgments of God in our past, the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, the flood of Noah, and the Tower of Babel. There are the big three judgments awaiting uh, the lost world. In Revelation chapter 17, we see the fall of mystery Babylon, Genesis 18, the fall of commercial Babylon, and Armageddon in chapter 19. So 
in the big six God judgments upon this planet, Babylon is front and center in half of them. I think that should grab our attention. One in the past, two in the future. And I'm going to show you how they are directly connected. We've all been touched by Babylon in some way or another. And it's good to know about it. What happened in Babylon, we're going to see, did not stay in Babylon. We don't know what happened in the past. Satan has been very, very capable and uh, able to keep the history of um, these things from the minds of people today spiritually blinded. It's so important to understand what happened. If we don't understand what happened in Babylon, the tragedies that are waiting in Revelation 17 and 18 are waiting. So let's find out. Let's dig into God's word. First of all, just went down in Babylon in Genesis chapter 11. It's only a few hundred years, only a matter of generations after Noah's flood. Mankind has a mandate from God at the time of Noah to do what? To be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, scatter out, enjoy the planet, subdue the earth. What does man decide to do? The polar opposite. Under the leadership of Nimrod, the Bible calls him in Genesis, a mighty hunter. They defy God. They gather and they build a huge ancient city. The centerpiece of human architecture was the Tower of Babel, the first man-made wonder of the ancient world. But it was not the tower itself. It was the motive of the tower that brought the huge God's judgment upon them. Chapter 11, verse 4, they said, Come, let us build a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Uh, that's not why man is here, to make a name for ourselves. We're to glorify the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're heading 180 degrees in the wrong direction. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over all the face of the earth. Uh, that was God's plan, and they are in direct defiance to it. They thought they could make it to heaven. Obviously, they believed in heaven. They're work, trying to work their way there, but they want to do it in their own power. They want to do it their own way. They want to do it in defiance of God. They were willing to give their absolute all to do it their way. Can you smell the devil in those details? He had been kicked out of heaven for trying to take over, led one-third of the angels in rebellion with him. Those are the demons for his sin of trying to take over. Now he's on the earth doing exactly the same thing, using people, deceiving people to try to get back into heaven for himself, to bring them under the same condemnation. Remember Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels? Remember in Isaiah 14 in the fall, I will ascend to the throne of the Most High. I will be as God, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. God's judgment came in the form of confounding their singular language into what today shows over 5,000 variant languages and dialects. Just think of that. There is absolutely no intelligent anthropological, how about that word for a, an aging hippie? 
There's no intelligent anthropological explanation for the sudden appearance of over 5,000 languages on planet Earth. So the uh, secular uh, anthropologists, like many mainstream media, completely ignore the issue altogether. It's their problem, not ours. We know where all the languages came from. And it was for, in the form of judgment against the rebellion of the people. Think about it this, though. It was a very uh, kind and gentle judgment, no loss of life, just forced obedience to stop the project and scatter as previously ordered. You see, Satan must have central control to pull off his uh, plan. See, that you're going to follow that all through history, and that is what is awaiting us just around the corner as our present globalists are putting the pedal to the metal to form the new world order. Satan must have central control. God established the nations so there would not be central control. God established independent families so there would not be central control. God established uh, independent, fundamental, autonomous churches. Why? So there would not be central command and control. Oh my goodness. Are you catching? Are you following the battle between God and Satan? What Satan's always trying to do and what God is always opposing. Well, Satan failed, but he'll continue his efforts until the time of the end when God says, I will allow him to establish his very temporary new world order. A seven year period of time, he comes to prominence, this antichrist at the beginning of this tribulation period. Three and a half years later, he comes to power. That's when he institutes the mark of the beast. And then only 42 months, three and a half years later, Jesus comes back. Daniel calls him the ancient of days and he will crush uh, Satan, cast him into the uh, bottomless pit. The antichrist and his false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. And we're almost there. That's the time in the middle of the tribulation Daniel told us about called the abomination of desolations when Antichrist sits in the temple of God claiming that he is God. See, the future is directly tied to the past. (laughs) What goes around comes around. There's a reason behind the global agenda that is in our face today. Satan is continuing to do his work for central control. But there was way, way more going on in Babylon than just the God defiance. We know that Satan wants to blind the minds of those who know not God, lest they come to the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's blinding people from Jesus, but he's not in the business just turning people away from Jesus. He wants the worship to come to him. Isn't that what uh, he was trying to do to Jesus following Christ's baptism, his time of temptation in the wilderness. Satan is quoting scripture out of context, making false promises to Jesus. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you power. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you popularity. I'll give you protection. I'll give you provision. Well, how can you give provision to, to Jesus when the earth is already the Lord's and the fullness thereof? And yet that's the spiritual battle. There's way more going on in Babylon, just the tower, just the judgment. You see, in Revelation chapter 17, God's final judgment upon the false religious system of the Antichrist and his false prophet. Revelation 17 calls this false religious system mystery Babylon, the mother of all harlots. Christ's true church is called Christ's bride. The false church is called a harlot. The religious harlots 
headquarters, according to Revelation 13, is going to be in the city of Seven Hills, which historically has always been Rome. It will be an all-inclusive religion of polytheism, the worship of many gods, and non-biblical false Christianity, all blended together into a new world religion. This present pope is working overtime on this project as we speak. Even moderate Islam is buying into this plan. So the false system in the end is identified by God in the end to have started in ancient Babylon. They're directly connected. Here's where secular history comes alongside with the Bible to give us a little bit more information about what was going down there. It gives us an absolutely clear picture. Now, I do not trust secular history like I trust the Word of God. And I find it interesting that the Word of God doesn't give us a lot of details. He just said, this is wrong, I'm judging this, and go on, and he forced the obedience. But here we go, looking into secular history. Uh, We focus our boy on Nimrod the founder of the city of Babylon, the guy behind the tower, Nimrod, the Bible calls him a mighty hunter. History records his wife's name as Semiramis. I've heard it pronounced Semiramis, but Semiramis, I'll call it, who was, quote, are you ready for this? A perpetual virgin. Hmm, That's interesting, especially for those of you who came from Catholic backgrounds. Semiramis, a perpetual virgin who conceived a son supernaturally whose name was Tammuz. I've also heard it called Tammuz. I'm calling him Tammuz. Hence, the satanic Babylonian trinity. Nimrod the father, Semiramis the goddess, and Tammuz the child god. You see, Satan knew God's plan that a virgin would conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. He knew the true Redeemer would come. The Messiah would come from the seed of a woman without a man. Go back to Genesis 3 again, and you'll notice that God spoke that directly face-to-face to Satan. I'm going to destroy you, and here's how I'm going to do it. You can fight, but you cannot win. Through the seed of a woman, I'll crush your head. Isaiah clarified that, behold, a virgin will conceive. So what does the devil do? He counterfeits uh, the plan of God and sort of makes it his own plan. He blends God's redemptive plan with his own damnation plan for mankind. You got to give the devil credit. He's wicked smart, as they say in New York. If I'm going to hell, y'all are going to hell. Misery loves company. He unfolds a Babylonian false trinity and connects his fallen angels, his boys, whom the Bible calls demons. He identifies these spirits as gods with a little g. He gives them power over people, and we now have coming out of Babylon via Nimrod, paganism, polytheism, the worship of many gods, Satan using that, of course, for his own glory. Why would anyone just want to worship one God when you could worship a thousand? An everyday Hindu might say, so say the pagans. There will be the rise of many different denominations of paganism as time unfolds, but all hold to the worship of many gods. Fear and appeasement of the gods' wrath would be central to all pagan groups. Paganism is always fear-driven. So now the next giant step 
of explanation and understanding comes back uh, in Genesis chapter 11 again as language confusion forces the Babylonian pagans to scatter. They take their pagan religion with them. They just have new names now with the new languages for the old gods. It was Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz, if you were in Babylon, but as the language was confused and now you wind up in Egypt, the same trinity has Egyptian names, Isis, Horus, Seb. If you were in Greece, it was Zeus, Jupiter, and Pluto. If you were in Rome, it was Saturn, Juno, and Jupiter. It's all the same pagan system Wherever the pagan people scattered, they took their religion with them. No matter if it's across the plains plains of Africa, the outback of Australia, the Amazon tribes, the Celtic people in uh, the British Isles, the Incas, Mayans, and um, Aztecs in the North and South American continents, it's always the same because they have the same source, Babylon. What happened in Babylon didn't stay in Babylon. It was there waiting for every Christian missionary for the last 2,000 years, no matter where they went in the world, they always encountered exactly the same thing, just new names for the old gods. We see in the book of Acts, it says of the early church that they turned the world upside down. The pagan world in mass was turning to Jesus. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Paganism is fear-driven. Christianity is love-driven. When pagans found out Christ uh, was stronger than the angry spirit gods that they had previously worshipped, they gladly turned from those demon gods, uh, gladly turned away from the gods of their ancestors for the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The pagans were giving their sons and daughters to appease the wrath of the false gods. And now they find out our loving God gave his son so we could have redemption through him. And he, he died on the cross for our sins to make payment for us. That was good news to the pagan minds. And in mass, they were turning to Jesus. People who hated Jesus said they're turning the world upside down. And they did it. Uh, in a beautiful way, in my opinion. Well, it wasn't long until the Roman Empire was persecuting uh, the Christians because uh, their Roman system was built on paganism. They thought they were doing their gods, little g, a favor by persecuting the Christians. It was game on, and Satan always plays hardball. It was Cain who killed righteous Abel, and so history has always followed the same suit. The guilty are committing atrocities towards the innocent. It was never Christians persecuting the pagans. It was Christians winning the pagans. It was always the pagans killing the Christians. It was said, the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church. Satan knew that he was in trouble. He couldn't crush the church, so he completely switched gears. As he had copied God's plan back in Babylon, he would sort of do it all over again in Rome. I beg you to go back to my podcast on globalism and the world church, and you can get many details on what went down in Rome, where Constantine, Emperor Constantine, whom the populace thought the emperor was a god, little g among them, God incarnate as it were, Constantine declared Christianity to be the official religion 
of the entire Roman Empire. Catholics call him Constantine the Great, the conqueror of paganism, but the historical and biblical text shows it was not a conquering of paganism at all. It was a blending of the two, which no can do before God. Don't add anything to my word. Don't take anything away. He closes out the Bible in Revelation 22, 18, and 19. But that they did. And Catholicism was born with the signing of the Edict of Milan in 312 A.D., we have a new sort of kind of Christian religion blending together with paganism. Pagan traditions, pagan doctrine and rites were blended into the, this new kind of Christianity. And I would put a little C on that kind of Christianity. The pagans didn't know the difference. They were said, uh, Jesus is your God now, and if you don't like it, we'll kill you. And so they're like, cool. And now we have a pagan world called Christians. They don't know one thing from another. There's no knowledge of the word of God. Instead of praying uh, to different gods, little g, for specific needs, now they just pray to different saints for specific needs. Many of you probably prayed to St. Christopher for travel's mercy or to St. Jude for health issues, as my wife did in her Roman Catholic background, Italian Catholic, parochial school, Detroit area, back in our day. As in paganism, the people went to the priests to get through to the gods. So became it so in Catholicism where you had to go to the priest to get forgiveness of your sins. You had to go to the priest for the sacraments. You had to have the priest come for absolution in the time of your death. Where in biblical Christianity, we can go direct to God. Neither <laughs> salvation uh, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But in the Catholic system, salvation is by sacrament. You've got to go through the priest. And of course, with the pagan spirit uh, driven by fear, same thing is true for Catholicism now, mostly driven by fear and, uh, and, and guilt uh, conscious. If God is angry. He's going to hit you in the head with a brick if you do anything wrong. Whereas the true church knows that salvation is by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a sacrament. It's a gift of God, uh, not by works, lest any man should boast. So Satan perverts the plan of salvation. Now to pull it all together, to complete the prophetic picture with the two big Babylonian judgments yet awaiting. You've heard what goes around comes around. Well, as Satan sets up his political antichrist, he is also setting up his false prophet, both in Revelation chapter 13, the unfolding of the satanic trinity of the end, the dragon, the anti-father, the antichrist, uh, antichrist as we see, and the false prophet, the anti-Holy Spirit. Satan is framing the narrative about Christ's true church to be the bad guys now, you know, the deplorables, the homophobes, the xenophobes, who want to take the world back to the dark ages. We're now labeled the bad guys. He's framing the narrative. When it is time for Christ's return to take his bride, the true church home to his father's house, John 14, 1 through 6, the world will be glad to have us gone. Satan will have nothing now holding back his new world order and his antichrist his false prophet will lead the world false church to believe that the antichrist is the answer man he's a good guy he's an angel of light what would the world do without him for such a time as this he's our man to pull us out of all this covid controversy and all this uh 
political unraveling and bringing economic justice to the world. The world church of the false prophet will be a, a global church, and that's exactly what the word Catholic means. It means universal. It's just coming together as we speak. You see what happened in Babylon didn't stay in Babylon. It went to the world in Genesis 11 as God forced them to scatter and it will still be gripping the world in Revelation in the final judgment in Revelation 17 of Mystery Babylon, the false religious system. You know, here in upstate New York, 80% of my church comes from a Catholic background. We love Catholic people. We do not hold them accountable for things that happened uh, 1,700 years ago. They just were born into that system. This is not a condemnation of people at all. We love them with all of our heart, and thank God we've seen thousands of them see through the religious smoke streams and learn of the true salvation by grace, not by sacrament. They've come and found Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, the whole pedophile cover-up thing that hit uh, 25 years ago or so killed a a lot of historic Catholicism here in our area. And today, uh, most of their real estate has been sold off. And a lot of our independent, soul-winning, Bible-preaching churches have bought up these Catholic properties for like a nickel on a dollar as far as value. So we're grateful for all the property that we're inheriting. And now those buildings are hearing the gospel pure and simple and many people are coming to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in those churches. I find that way cool. It is critical for believers to add to their faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. There's nothing new under the sun. If you know what Satan did, Genesis 11, and and why he did it for centralization of control, then we can discern, as he does it all over again, in plain sight here in our day. He's just doing what he did in Genesis 11. He did it at the time of in Rome, 312 A.D., under Emperor Constantine. He's going to do it again to form that world church to give credibility to the false Antichrist in Revelation 13. So, my friends, it's kind of crazy what went down, but aren't you glad you know a little bit about it. You understand that what happened in the past is the explanation for what's happening in the present. Do you see how it's all fitting together for the time of the end? You know, people said, well, Jesus is, is, is coming. People have been saying that forever, and he hasn't come. But you see, this is like no other generation. The Jews are home. Jerusalem is retaken. The technology is here. It's all coming together. Some people say, the world is falling apart. No, it's not falling apart. Uh, it's coming together for the second coming of Christ. People ask me a lot, what do you think about the Biden administration? I say he's hastening the day of the Lord. And a lot of things are happening on the border and the trafficking and, and drugs and death and economic woes. Those are all bad. I understand that. But it's a sign of our times. God forecasted this would come. And why complain about the problem? Rejoice in the opportunity. Get your nose in the Word of God. Learn history. It fits together. It's no mystery. And we're on the winning team. Jesus bought us a ticket on the cross. Aren't you glad Jesus loves you? Well, I hope uh, my studies and this information is a bit of a blessing to you, how it all fits together. Please share it with your friends. Subscribe. Help me get to the gospel, to the ends of the earth. It's a real joy that I do this. Hitting uh, 
15,500 downloads now. They say for every download, about uh, four to five listens. So somewhere between 60 and 70,000 listens to my podcast. That's way more people ministering to now through podcasting than I did live. And I'm still on the road. Phone's ring. I'm still out on the road doing my thing. I can take my podcast things with me. But uh, it's a really fun time of my life. I'm sitting here in my office uh, preaching my guts out. And if you feel like you're right here uh, listening to me, thanks for tuning me in. Love you. Bye.